Bibles with you this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, we will certainly give you one. But if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 6. Gospel of Mark chapter 6. Miracles. Miracles. The formal, formal definition of a miracle is a welcome event that cannot be explained by natural laws and is therefore considered an act of God. That's Webster. Miracle is a welcome event. It's, it's a good thing, generally. It's a good thing that happens. A welcome event that cannot be explained by natural laws. It is beyond the natural. It is supernatural. Therefore, it is considered to be an act of God. Here's, that's, that's Webster, here's GW, all right? This is, this is my definition. It is God being sovereign God and the creator who spoke everything into existence within the span of six of our days, and he could have done it in a lot less than that, could have done it in a millisecond, but God who is creator continuing to be beyond natural law because he made the rules and he can bend them or break them, And it is God being God, and He can do, intervene how He wishes, often in response to our prayers and our obedience. That's my definition. It's God being God. Miracles. Miracles. The the Gospels record Jesus' miracles, and they are many. We have been looking into the gospel of Mark quite a bit lately, and, and, and you've seen, as I have, there's just like, like, like two and three miracles sometimes in each chapter. Pretty dramatic stuff, some powerful stuff. Just one thing after another. So the gospels record Jesus' miracles. And what's interesting is they often fall into several categories. Jesus performed miracles of healing. It's a very common one. You see that a lot here. Jesus healed people from sickness and disease and injury, even death. I like this one line. It says that he healed all of their diseases. So we see miracles of of healing. You also see another category. Jesus performed miracles of deliverance. We've seen that, I think, about three times up to this point, excuse me, in the gospel of Mark, where Jesus would come upon or someone would bring before him a person with, who was possessed of demons and he would set them free. So here's this, this category of miracles, signs and wonders, if you will, of, of deliverance. And then Jesus also performed miracles within nature. And that would be like uh, a, a, a short time before here, chapter 6, where Jesus speaks to a storm, right? The, the, the disciples think they're perishing. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, a big storm, you know, just about to flip them over and put them to the bottom. And Jesus gets up and he speaks to the storm, just three words, and, and it's silent. So, so it's, Jesus, it's Jesus speaking to nature itself, which is a pretty you know, powerful force, but it's subservient to him. So you see him working miracles within nature. Later on in Mark, you'll see him walking on water, which is actually defying gravity, right? Gravity makes you sink in water. It pulls you down. And, and yet Jesus uh, uh, performed this miracle with, within nature. 
So you see these different categories. All of Jesus' miracles were amazing. All of them were beyond the natural or supernatural because Jesus was and Jesus is God. He's God. So, so when he encounters these things, he, doesn't, he did not and does not look at those things and say, well, well you know, this person with bound by multiple demons, <laughs> legion of demons, oh, that's a big one. That's, or, or, or this person with this sick, sickness that is incurable, or even a person who's dead, Jesus looked at that, he's God, and he can speak to that and perform a miracle. John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I want you to just see that again, but not just in the, in the context of, of a point in history, but rather to what it's speaking to. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but he's speaking to his followers. He's speaking to you and I. Whoever believes in me, whoever, that means, do, do, how many here believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Okay, well, that's good. So, so you qualify. Whoever believes in me, will do the works that I have been doing. So that means if you believe in Him as Savior and Lord and God, risen Christ, if you believe in Him, then you have the ability, the Jesus-given, God-given ability to do the works that He has been doing here recorded in Scripture. And He went on to say, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, you know, I look at that. I've been familiar with this text a long time, and why that's a, that's a big ticket. I mean, you, you go, wow, even greater things than some of the things that Jesus has done recorded in Scripture? That's powerful, but see, I believe it because he said it. So I, I, want, to, I want to establish the fact that Jesus still works miracles today. If someone tells you differently, then they have believed a lie. Jesus still works miracles today. This was a number of years ago. Someone was talking with me. Had come to meet with me, or maybe I, I forget exactly. Maybe I had gone to meet with them. But I remember the conversation, and and the question was asked, um, and it, it was it was uh, kind of with a little bit of a sneer in the tone. Do you believe, this was the question, do you believe that God still works miracles today? And uh, this, was, this was my response, and, and I'll flesh it out a little bit, but I said, I, I, I do believe in miracles, but more than that, I believe in the miracle maker. I do believe in miracles, but more than that, I believe in the miracle maker. Let me, I explained to that gentleman and let me explain to you, is that my focus is not so much on the miracle itself, but the one who makes the miracles. It's not that I have this innate faith in miracles. I have this faith in Jesus Christ who did and who does make miracles. And, and if my focus is on him rather than on that particular miracle, then glory to God, he will do those things in me and through me today. So people say, well, do you believe in miracles? Yes, I believe in miracles. Do you have faith in miracles? Well, yeah, I have, 
I have faith to believe for miracles, but more than that, I put my faith in the one who gives the power to work miracles. It's in him. I trust in the miracle maker. I am here today. I, I won't go through with my stories, and I have several that I could share, but I don't want to take the time today. I've done that before, maybe at some point in the future, but I'm here today, and many of you are here today because Jesus still works miracles today. Last week, you again, I, I draw attention, but some of the miracles that we think about, well, physical healing, deliverance, miracles of nature, but, but these were miracles up here because it's one thing to heal a body, but to heal a spirit and to heal a mind and to, to turn around a, a, a direction of a person, that too is miraculous. You're here today, many of you, because of miracles. But here, in Mark chapter 6, we haven't even gotten to the text yet. Here in Mark chapter 6, it records a different kind of miracle. There's another kind of category, if you will. And that is, it's a miracle of provision. It's a miracle of provision. And we see this throughout the Gospels as well. In fact, in, not only in the Gospels, but in the Old Testament and also in the book of Acts. We see these miracles of provision where Jesus supernaturally supplies a basic need. There are some of you here this morning have experienced a miracle of provision. And you could recount to us today how you prayed and you did not have enough of something and God supplied miraculously. Instead of reading the entire story this morning, I want to read the miracle and then I want to look back at the elements that went into it. So I'm going to do it a little bit different than I usually do. I'm going to jump ahead, I'm going to read the miracle, and then we're going to go back and look at some of the elements that went into, that preceded the miracle. So first, here's the miracle. Thousands of people had followed Jesus into a remote place to hear him teach, and needing food, verse 41 tells us, quote, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, that's the only food they had, and looking up into heaven, Jesus gave thanks and he broke the, the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Look at verse 42. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish, and the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. That, what we just read, is the miracle. Jesus fed actually more than 5,000 people. For whatever reason, they only counted the men, but when you factor in the women and children who would have also been there, when you factor them in, it could have been, some people say it could have been, 10,000 people, <clears throat> excuse me, or even more. I want you to get in your minds here this miracle of these, this enormous number of people miraculously provided for. Not only that, <laughs> lots of leftovers. It's an amazing, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing miracle. 
I have here, what would be the modern equivalent of it? Uh, uh, five, five little loaves of bread, dinner rolls, and a can of sardines. <laughs> By the way, I like canned meat. I do. I like canned meat. Always get it with, don't do with the tomato sauce. Get it with the oil. I'm just telling you, all right? Get it. How many here want me to open this up? <laughs> How many here don't want me to open this up? Okay, the nose have it. The, the nose would have it, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's, it's not very much. Uh, I factored it up at, uh, at Kessler's yesterday. This cost me about uh, $2. It's not very much. It's enough for one person for a day, maybe. Maybe two but it wouldn't be very filling for two people for a whole day. But Jesus, we know, took this and he divided this and this up and it fed perhaps as many as 10,000 or more people with, with, one, with food for one. It would be, I, I kind of figured it up, it would be like feeding a very large family for one year with just one can of meat and a few dinner rolls. How many here would like that as a part of your budget? Two dollars and you feed the family for a year. Now you'd get pretty sick and tired of sardines, let me tell you, but it's an amazing miracle. An amazing miracle. It's a miracle of provision. But I also want you to see how the miracle began because that sometimes we look at the miracle and we go, oh, that is so awesome, and we move on. But I want you to look at the elements that went into the miracle. I want you to see how the miracle began because while the miracle is powerful, we cannot overlook what preceded it. For this miracle of provision began not with hungry people, it began with tired disciples. Back in verse 30, it reads this way. The apostles had gathered around Jesus, and they reported to him all they had done and taught. They, they had, by the way, they had been sent out in ministry. Now they were coming back. They'd been used in ministry. They're reporting to Jesus. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Again, the disciples, this great miracle that we read that happens a little bit later, it began with disciples who were exhausted. They had been ministering to countless people. They had ministered and prayed for people and they'd gone and they'd seen demons cast out and seen people healed and they had preached the, this, 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 this message of Jesus Christ as much as they knew at this point because he had not yet died and been resurrected. But, but they had shared about the teachings of Jesus and they came back and there's something not only just with the busyness of that but when you when you minister, there's an exhaustion that accompanies it or that follows it. And these guys were tired. 
They had ministered to countless people, and yet it says when they came back together and they were reporting, it says even more people were coming, which is no surprise because when you hear that someone works miracles, you, you tend to draw a crowd, and more, and more people were coming, hurting people, and the, the needs appeared endless. There was no break. It says they did not even have time to eat, and so here's this, this dilemma that they're in. They're already exhausted. More and more people are coming, so Jesus, it says, calls them away to a, quote, quiet place. You see it there, a quiet place, a solitary place, and a place of rest. Just look at that for just that verse there. Quiet place. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. I've been asking you to show your hands a lot today, but how many here find a source of strength in a in a just a, just a quiet place? Anyone here? I do. I'm one of those persons. I need a quiet place. How many here, again, just be straight with me. I need your help on this. How many here, a solitary place looks pretty good sometimes? Rest. All of that's there. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat a solitary place. Um, imagine how relieved the disciples were to get into that boat. Imagine how thankful they were to leave the crowd and all the needs and the people saying, touch my child, come and talk to me, help me with this, I'm dying and you need to come quickly. And Jesus says, get into a boat. And they got into a boat and here's what I think, I think they leaned back on the sides of that boat and they just went, oh, take me away. Take me to that quiet place, Jesus. Take me to that solitary place. Oh, how glad they must have been to get away from it and rest. (laughs) You ever feel that way? You want to get into a boat and sail away from the challenges of life just for a little while to rest and to relax. Maybe you want to get into a boat and go out in the middle of the lake and drop a hook in the water and to you that's... Oh, that sounds so good. Or maybe you want to get into a, onto a bigger boat and you want to sit on the Aloha deck and let the sun hit you. <laughs> sounds pretty good to get into a boat. Sail away. Must have felt so good for those disciples to get onto that boat and then sail away. Look at verse 33. But many people who saw them leaving, get into the boat and go, many of the people who saw them leaving recognized them and they ran on foot from all the towns and they got there ahead of them. Here's what happened. They see the boat pulling away from shore and they go, that's Jesus and the disciples. And they saw kind of where the boat's headed to a little ways around. Sea of Galilee is about, I don't know, like eight miles wide and about 11 miles. And they kind of see where they're going. So all of these people, you can almost picture it. They see them and they start running down the shore and going around so that they can be where they land. <laughs> Word got around. They're going this way and everybody goes over there. It says they got there ahead of them. Verse 34, when Jesus landed, Jesus and the disciples landed, 
they saw a large crowd. He, had com- he, Jesus, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. <clears throat> but what were the disciples thinking? You know, we look at this and we go, oh, they were, these guys had it together. No, they were people. They didn't have it all together. They weren't perfect. What were the disciples thinking? They were probably thinking something like, that is just great. Jesus promised us quiet and solitude, and now we are surrounded by thousands of needy people. I want the aloha deck. I don't want a crowd of people. I want a solitude place, a quiet place, a restful place. we got a crowd of people, and they're waiting for us on shore. And Jesus is gone, and he's teaching them. Here we go again, boys. Verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to a surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. See, here's what I think they were thinking. That once the people go off, because they're hungry, Jesus, they're getting awful hungry. They're looking hungry to me. You need to send, he says, send the people away. Tell them go. Because I'm thinking, they were thinking, once they go, we can, we can go to that happy place, that solitude place, that quiet place. But Jesus had other plans. Verse 37, Jesus said this, you give them something to eat. Now, again, you, you have to understand this in context. Jesus said, you give them some, someone, something to eat. You understand, these are 12 men, 12 disciples and Jesus, total of 13 people. You have 12 disciples, and Jesus says to them, guys, I want you to feed them. You give them something to eat. Let me ask you, how would you feel if you have been exhausted, you've been promised a break, and then you, along with 11 other people, are told by Jesus to feed a crowd of 10,000 people? I used to be involved in food service. When I was in college, I managed a cafeteria. We would feed, I don't know, 150, 175, 200 people a night. And it was stressful. 200 people. 200 people, we'd feed 10,000? With nothing to eat? Except this? And these guys are already tired. Verse 39, Jesus directed them, that is the disciples, to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And so here, these disciples who are tired, who are wanting a break, who are exhausted probably beyond words, he... uh, he says, all right, here's what I want you to do. And so they start going, all right. <sighs> Count off. One, two, three, four. Stay here. <laughs> Stay here. And then this, another disciple, he's over here, and he's organizing, and everybody does a whole bunch of crowds. 
and they're still exhausted. In fact, they're more exhausted now than they were before, and they're wondering, why is Jesus doing this? Because the miracle has still not happened. We read the miracle earlier, how after they found something to eat, how after they organized the people into groups, how after Jesus prayed, then the miracle happened. But listen to me, it would not have happened if weary disciples had refused Jesus' directions. It would not have happened if weary disciples said, I'm not going to do it. It, The miracle would not have happened had the disciples not been somehow engaged in this miracle. It was more than just Jesus' power. It was also their obedience to him that was key, a key factor in making this miracle happen. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read this miracle many times before, and I never picked up on it. I never noticed the context in which it was written, that it was not simply the power of God, but it was also weary and yet obedient, trusting people. Jesus performed the miracle using weary yet willing people to carry it out. Let me say that again. Jesus performed the miracle using weary yet willing people to carry it out. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the one, the main thing that I want you to get, and that is this. God often uses us the most when we feel the least. I want you to write that down. I know it's not great English. You shouldn't end a a, a sentence like that, but it, it, it sounds better. It works. God often uses us the most when we feel the least. God will often use us in miraculous ways when we are in a state of weariness and tiredness and exhaustion. Sometimes God uses us the most when we've had it up to here with the demands and the challenges around us. You see, I start with this, I, I, I make that statement with this starting point, and that is that God does want to use us. He does want to use us. He has always chosen to use His people in the miraculous. You show me a miracle in the Bible, and I will, on almost every occasion, with maybe the exception of maybe the exception of creation itself but since he started using since mankind he almost always used when when <clears throat> when god wanted to spare a part of the world and a bunch of animals some of his people and a bunch of his animals uh, in a great worldwide flood he used a man to build a boat i could give a lot of examples but that's just one God desires to use us. You see, Jesus did not forgive you. He did not save you. He is not restoring you to shelve you, but to use you. 
Jesus didn't give you himself, die on the cross for you, simply to give you a get-out-of-hell-free card, but rather to give you a license, the authorization to be used of him. I have that basic starting point in this statement that God often uses us the most when we feel the least. He desires to use us in miraculous ways to reach the world around us for him. Yet, the working of miracles takes more than simply believing in his power. Now, just you may think that's bad theology, but no, it's not. Just listen to me. It takes more than simply believing in his power. You see, many people have thought, well, if you just believe that he can do it, well, then he can do it. Now, now whether I believe that God can do something or don't believe, he can still do something. For the person who says God doesn't work miracles today, God doesn't say, oh, then I can't work miracles today. No, whether I believe or not, he still has the power. But it takes more than simply belief in his power. It's also believing that he will use us often when we feel powerless. God often uses us the most when we feel the least. So you want to see miracles? It's going to take more than just believing that he works that way. It also means that we have to believe that he can use me in that miracle process. God has the power. He's just looking for someone who will be used to carry out his power. But we sometimes think, oh boy, I feel good. This is a good day. I feel strong. I feel rested. I'm not stressed. God, today would be a good day for you to work a miracle through me. No. It's going to be I'm stressed. I'm weary. I'm a little bit hacked off. I'm irritated by Mildred over there next door to me. I'm a little bit upset. I have done my job. I have done so much. No one else seems to be doing anything. I'm tired. And sometimes that if we're willing, is when God will use us the most, when we feel the least. You see, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God and Paul are having this dialogue. God said to the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power, he said, is made perfect in weakness. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Paul replied, For Christ's sake then, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's what's happening in this dialogue. God says, my strength is perfected in your weakness. So Paul, with open heart, says, Well then, for your sake, Lord, I will delight in my weaknesses. I will delight in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. For, Lord, when I am weak, implied in myself, then I am strong in you. What makes us weary? Ponder that for a moment in your own mind. What makes you weary? Certainly some of these things. 
in our weaknesses? Or insults. You ever have somebody insult you unjustly? They put you down, they say horrible things. Ah, hurts. That, that, that can make us weary. How about in hardships? Physical, financial, familial. How about in persecutions? Does that make you weary? When you stand up for your faith in Christ and you say, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that or I am going to do this, and somebody comes against you for it. Persecution, that, boy, that can make us weary. Uh, we haven't faced persecution like others have, but I believe that we will face more persecution going forward. About in difficulties, and again, it's just kind of broad and open there, isn't it? What is it that makes you weary? Some of these things, or a, a relentless schedule, or stressed relationships. How about demanding people? Does that make you weary? How about big disappointments? Does that make you weary? And any number of things that can just make us want to get into a boat and go away to a quiet, solitary place. Well, I got some news for you. Life is going to wear you out. Right? Life just wears us out. Uh, this, this, I don't have scripture and verse on this. is just my opinion. Maybe it's my desire. You're, some people say, you know, I'm looking forward to the golden streets. I, I don't care. Just give me a, I think I'm going to sleep maybe the first year I'm in heaven. I don't know. No, I won't need it then because I'll be in a glorified body. But you understand, it's like, oh, just want to have some of those stresses. Won't be so weary. We must know that in that weakened place, our Lord uses faithful people to do amazing things. I want you to understand. I want you to get into your heart. You might be weary this morning. You might be exhausted beyond words, emotionally, physically, maybe even spiritually because you've given out. Remember when the woman who, had, who was sick, it says that she prayed, and he said, I felt the strength go out of me. I felt the power, rather, go out of me. Maybe you've been ministering to someone, and you, just, you almost felt the power, spiritual power go out of you. You feel depleted. Well, I've got some really great news for you. You are in a really great place to be used by God in miraculous ways. Because sometimes it's when we feel the least that God uses us the most. In a few moments, we're gonna, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to go. In a few moments, we're going we're gonna to stand and we're going to pray, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that God will supernaturally strengthen you, strengthen you. There's a lot of things that we can do. Today is a Sabbath day. I believe in the Sabbath. I, I, uh, I take a Sabbath once a week, a, a day where I just, if at all possible, I power down and I restore and I spend more time in God's Word, more time in prayer, rest. That's all good stuff. That's for another day. I'm going to pray that God gives you strength, but... I'm also going to pray that beyond him 
just restoring you, that regardless of where you are in a physical or emotional or spiritual state, that he will use you in miraculous ways. See, I see it here. I see it here in God's word. And I believe that he still does that. I, uh, I, don't, know what, I don't know what happened. I don't know the rest of the story at least from the disciples' perspective. I don't know what the disciples thought when this provision miracle happened. I can only speculate. But I'm thinking that when they saw the food multiplied, it says Jesus gave thanks, and, and I, I, they, put it in, you know, they put it into a basket. I don't know, maybe something like this. They put it into a basket. It's like, okay, we're gonna and this person takes some, and then they pass it on, and then they pass it on. And it's like, it's like it grows each time. And they're like, wow, that is really amazing. Gets to the end of the row. Remember groups of 50 and 100? They get to the end of the row and they go, huh, what's with this? All these people have food and there's the same amount. Well, I don't know. Let's put it on to the next one. And they go down. And all the disciples are looking at this and they're going, wow, how cool is that? That's pretty exciting. And then they take the sardines. Good sardines in oil, not tomato sauce. And they pass around the two fish and, and the same thing happens and some guy takes it. You know some guy, because I've seen potlucks, I've seen some of you. The first guy takes this huge amount. And you wonder, boy, I wonder that last person is going to, I don't know if they're going to have enough. Some guy takes this big chunk of fish, passes it down, but they get to the end of the row and there's enough fish. And then they just keep passing and they keep passing and they keep passing. I don't know exactly what the disciples were thinking, but when they saw that miraculous food multiplied, when they saw hungry people filled, they're going, man, I can't eat, I'm so, I'm so stuffed, I can't eat anymore. Because <coughs> you know some went back for seconds. And when they realized that they had a part in what Jesus had done, when they went, oh, look at all these people are, all these, this is my section over here. I organized them and look what they're all full, patting their tummies. Look at the leftovers. Here, you guys take some with you. I'm thinking when they saw all the miracle, when they saw the hungry people filled, I'm pretty sure that they had a rejuvenation and a restoration that no three day cruise could ever provide. You see, when you're used of God, when you're, when you're used of God in the miraculous in someone's life, at the end of the story, it wasn't just people who were filled, but I believe it was disciples who were restored. Having given this, having given this message, and done what God has called me to do, I am quite confident that now you, having received this message, will have opportunity in the days, weeks, or months going forward, you will have opportunity in a state of weariness, you will be tired beyond description. And God will move on your heart to do something, to say something, to go to someone and to give of yourself out of that weariness. I encourage you this morning 
And I ask that the Lord, by His Holy Spirit, will bring back to your mind what was said. I don't care if you remember that I said it, because I really don't want that. But that the Holy Spirit will bring back to you the truths of Mark chapter 6, and you will say, I'm going to be used of God in a state of weariness, and I'm going to trust God for a miracle. And I believe that He will do it. I'd like you to stand with me, please. We're about to close, but I want to pray over you. But I'm not going to simply pray, pray the easy way that God will restore you and take away your weariness. I'm also going to pray that God will use you in that weariness. This morning, would you, as just a, an act of faith, just as a, a demonstration of receiving from Him, when they passed that food down the way, they put their hands out and they took it and they passed it on with their hands. Would you, in, a, in just a, a, a physical, tangible demonstration of faith, would you just simply put your hands out? Now, Lord, we come with hands that are empty. And um, maybe our hands right now represent just my psyche, my emotions, my, my physical weariness, my spiritual depletion from a, from a good thing, from giving out, not, not from sin, Lord. I, I know that can also make us spiritually weary, but no, just from giving out. Lord, our, our hands held like this, Lord, just before you, would you... Would you strengthen us for the task that you give us? But even, Lord, out of our weariness, our full schedules, our big disappointments, our heavy responsibilities, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use me in the miraculous. That when you speak, Lord, even if it seems like I'm just, I'm just organizing people. Even if it seems like you've just given me an assignment, my brother, my sister, an assignment that seems far beyond what I can ever do in my depleted state. Lord, with hands open and heart open, we believe that in our weariness and in our emptiness, your power is greater and that you will use us, these hands, to be your hands extended. Lord Jesus, I know I have asked, others have asked, why, Jesus, the miraculous doesn't happen today like it does in other places or like it did at one time. Perhaps, Lord, it's because in our weariness we don't want to be used. So, Lord, use us in the miraculous. Use us to extend your kingdom. Use these empty hands. And then, Lord, as we see you, use us. May there be a consequential restoration in our spirits, our minds, even our bodies. That the miracle would not simply be people who are fed, but a disciple who is restored. This is my prayer. Now, Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters.
as they go their way. For those children, Lord, right, right now that are in AFA Kids, I just pray that you would bless them as we go out into a world that is needy, hungry, lost. Use us for your glory. We go in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Go in the power, the authority of Jesus Christ this morning.